Welcome to The Symbol Podcast, Episode 5. My name's Dave Collingwood. I run Collingwood Symbols from my workshop here in Bristol in southwest UK, in a converted industrial site now called Estate of the Arts, which houses artists, sculptors, furniture makers, animation studios, and more. I was invited to hold a talk and a Q&A about my work as a symbolsmith, so I recorded it as a little bonus episode for the podcast. Um, so now is time for our first talk of the afternoon, which is going to be Dave Collingwood of Collingwood Symbols, one of two symbolsmiths in the country. So he's going to give us a little informal chat about how he makes his symbols, um, and it sounds like it's going to be rather interesting. That's all you need. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Hello. How's that? Can you play music to stand touch? I'll do. Hi, Glyn. Hey. <laughs> uh, hello. So, for anyone interested, my name is Dave Collingwood, and I run Collingwood Symbols here in a state of the arts. My workshop's across the way over there. You can come and say hello afterwards. So, yeah, I thought I'd just sit and do a talk about what I do and how I do it and why I do it. To be honest, I'm still trying to figure all those things out. Uh, basically, I make these things. So, drum kit symbols made from bronze, which I import from Turkey. Uh, and it's all hand hammered by myself here and then lathed on a lathe which I've built. Uh, yeah, I haven't really prepared very much. The idea, really, if you want to chuck some questions my way at any point, just do basically. <coughs> Do I melt it down? No. Right, so... Yeah, so I get bronze from Turkey, and it's a very specific alloy of bronze, um, which you can't really get anywhere else. And the way they do it is to... They've got, like, pits of fire in the ground, and they melt the copper and the tin together, and then they roll it through a giant rolling mill. I visited one of these factories in Istanbul about 10 years ago, and it's like... It's like the pits of hell. Anyway, so I get that done there and then sent to me. And it comes in, I mean, you can see that's a finished symbol. But it comes in kind of a, I haven't got a blank, unfortunately, today. It comes in kind of flat and gnarly and crusty and covered in, you know, soot and stuff. And then I hand hammer it. So I've built myself an anvil. I've got some hammers, which I've modified. In fact, I've got one here. That's a hammer. Uh, and it's all hand hammered to get the right shape and the right tension in the metal to get the right sound and then it goes up onto a lathe and the surface is cut away uh, to varying degrees to make the finished product essentially so no hot work at all apart from the hammering which is sweaty <laughs> yeah so yeah that's what I do uh, I also do modifications on existing symbols and repairs so for example this thing was had a great big crack through it so lots of big holes in it. And the reason I cut the big holes, you can get something like that, which you can then hand hammer. These are slightly smaller, but that gives you something like that. And if I pop the mic down. So people can use that for effect or percussion or whatever, basically. So it's all, nothing goes to waste. It's all bits of metal and they all make a noise basically, and that's why I do it. Um, so yeah, I've been doing it about five years, entirely self-taught, self-employed. I moved to the State of the Arts probably about six months ago, I think. Um, and I have a website, collingwoodsymbols.com, uh, where every symbol I make gets a video and it goes up on the website, and if people want to buy it, they do. And I pay my rent, uh, which is a lovely side of the thing. 
Yeah, so I've sold to uh, all, all over the world, really. It tends to be more like Germany, sort of European jazz drummers. Um, I'm not a jazz player myself. Uh, I'm more into kind of rock and indie and that sort of thing. So, yeah, any other sort of questions coming? Do you have an idea, when you get like a blank, do you have an idea of what Gupson were you going to create? Or? Yeah, so I order by weight and size. For example, this one is 22 inches. And I think the weight's somewhere in the region of two kilograms. And I'll know from that that I'm going to get a thin ride cymbal with certain characteristics. So, like, you can, it's fairly thin, it'll kind of bend a little bit. And that's for players who like cymbals that are kind of expressive and, <coughs> excuse me, and dynamic. Um, yeah, so I'll know roughly what there is, but my process, there's a lot of, I let the bronze kind of guide me. So I'll start and I'll see what I've, got in the sound and then I'll keep going basically until I find something I like the sound of and then hopefully someone else likes the sound of it. Yeah. The, the trouble with that is you never know when to stop because it's never finished really in a sense. It could always be something else. You could always hit it more with hammers, cut more metal off and make a different symbol. So knowing where it's the right symbol is, is the challenge. So it's quite odd in that respect. So in this country, like Rosie said, there's only two of us who do this. The other guy, funnily enough, is near Bath. So, so yeah, a bit of competition. Um, and around the world, probably about 10, I think, 10 of us that do it. Um, lots of people think they can. So with Instagram and Facebook, obviously, it, it looks really nice. So I've got an Instagram account and stuff looks lovely, you know, shiny metal, very nice. And people think, hey, great, I can do that. And they pick up a hammer and get a cymbal and smack it and put a great big dent in it. And it's like, oh, why didn't that work? So the learning curve is intense. Are there any drummers in? Apart from Michelle. Glenn, yeah. No. Cool. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the, the learning curve is literally all trial and error. No one's shown me how to do it. There's no books you can get. You can't just go and buy a cymbal hammer off the shelf. Uh, like I said, I had to build all my tools. I built my anvil. I basically built the workshop. Um, and these hammers, this is a really old Japanese hammer, I think, and I had to shape the head of it very specifically to stretch the metal in a very specific kind of way. Uh, and what that does then, it, it obviously increases the surface area, so it gives you a high profile, like a dome, and that alters the sound. So you can change you know like the EQ like the highs and the lows and and the way it spreads and all these kind of crazy things some days I wish I'd never started because it's completely insane like trying to get it sound nice but people seem to respond to uh, to handmade symbols uh, yeah it goes well so yeah also other things like someone came to me with a, a cracked symbol sorry Rosie and said can you do like some weird effect thing so I made this oddity, which sounds kind of <laughs> unusual. You know, it's an effect, it makes a noise, and that's completely fine. Um, so yeah, there's always these options for dealing with bronze, dealing with offcuts and broken bits and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's really physical. So every symbol, this one, for example, probably had about four or 5,000 hammer blows on it. So if you come over to the workshop, some of you have already, if you come over, you'll see I've built this almost soundproof booth where I sit and do the hammering um, just to stop annoying everyone else in the whole place, basically. 
and yeah, so the way it works, you hammer it for maybe an hour or so, but because of the metal, it gets fatigued. Anyone who's worked with metal or, or any material, I suppose, it gets fatigued. And when you hit it after hammering, the sound just, there's nothing in it. There's no response. So you have to wait about two or three days. And the sound eventually, as the metal relaxes, the sound relaxes, and then you can hear what's in there. And then you hammer again, and you wait, and then you hammer again, and you wait, and then you fine-tune, and you eventually go, great, finished, I like it, off it goes, and hopefully someone buys it. But yeah, it's a heck of a process. How do people know they want to buy it if they can't hear it? They can. So the thing about each one having a video, I mean, this is a bit of a subject that people like to discuss, because there's nothing quite like, I mean, no drummers here, but probably some instrument players. In, in the room. Nothing like actually playing an instrument in the flesh, as it were, to, to yeah. know if it works and if you work with it. Um, but yeah, I record every video, uh, every symbol to video over in my workshop. And I try to do it as well as possible. I got these mics here and they're pretty good mics. Um, and that goes up on my website and they can watch it and hear it. You know, I say, use headphones if you can, and then they can hear pretty much what it's gonna sound like. But with this kind of instrument, I don't like to make mass-produced sort of stuff. I never do two symbols the same. Each one's unique. So the idea is they hear it and something about it will grab them. And rather than saying that's definitely the symbol I want, it's more like that's a symbol I can get to know. That's an instrument that I'll kind of build a rapport with if that's not too pretentious, you know? Uh, yeah, and that seems to work for a lot of people. Loads of people are just like paid 300 quid for the latest fad one off you know one of the big sites or whatever and that's fine but that's just not the way i do things so there you go there's your answer um there's also a lot of fashions i find in symbols so i don't know if many of you have seen you get symbols with holes all over them holes cut out and bells and whistles hanging off them and all sorts of stuff and to me that there's a lot of gimmicks in the symbol world which i suppose there is in every every walk of life and i try to avoid that as much as possible which on one hand, it's probably a bad business choice, but on the other hand, means I've got complete control of what I do and how I do it. And when people buy them, then hopefully they go, that's definitely a Collingwood, because, you know, it's hopefully a nice symbol and it's, it's got this unique voice to it. Uh, so that's my goal as a symbol maker. So yeah, is, does anyone want to try making a symbol at any point in the future? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Do you play? No. No. Okay, what about the hammering bit? Yeah, I love it. Okay, cool. <laughs> we'll arrange something. Yeah, nice. Yeah, probably not here. Here's, this is the wrong time. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, it's literally just me. So I share my workshop with two furniture makers who didn't turn up today, which is nice of them. Um, but looking forwards, I'm thinking perhaps it's time for me to have my own pits of fire in the ground and, and like rolling metal. But this is like a big, big investment of time, money, energy, everything. But, you know, I started five years ago in a garage just hitting things and not paying my rent, and now I've got my workshop and it's what I do full time, so I've just followed my instinct every step of the way. Like I say, no one's shown me how to do it. I've literally made mistakes. So I bought the blanks, like I said, from Turkey. My first lot of blanks, maybe five or six of them, and I ruined every single one, and there was like however many hundreds of pounds just down the drain. And that's been the constant throughout up until fairly recently where I've, <laughs> I know what I'm doing finally. Um, and so I don't really waste stuff like I used to, but 
people who come to me and say, I want to get into this, what do I do? How do I make a symbol? What pattern do I hammer? It's like, it's not about that. You sit down, you get the material, you get a hammer and you make mistakes, you break stuff, you go a bit mad and then you work it out. So it's as, like again, not to be too pretentious, but it's kind of a personal journey as well because you learn about your limits. And there are times where I've gone way too far, ruined them, you know, just run off screaming. Uh, so yeah, it's a real, how can I say this with kids in the room? It's, uh, <laughs> it's a real difficult scenario, let's say. Um, yeah, any of you kids play drums? Anyone? Starting a guitar. Starting a guitar, cool. You, you could make them. <laughs> no, someone else playing drums, yeah, okay. All right, cool, sounds good. Um, yeah, any other questions? Anything else anyone wants to know? Like I said, I haven't really prepared very much. I've got all these little bells and whistles and things. Can you play that one again? Which one? The spirally one? Spirally one. Yeah. So this was a much bigger symbol. Like I said, it had a crack. Um, quite a bad crack, like a big chunk out of the edge. Um, and so I did this to it. So yeah, it's not just about drummers necessarily in bands. There's, I know lots of producers and like like TV music makers and stuff, and they like effects and you know bits and pieces that go ting. So there's always that option for, for how to do things. And I'm always having these wild ideas about about like making a stringed cymbal or you know making drums out of cymbal material and all this kind of stuff. And that's another thing you've got to kind of check yourself on is not to go too crazy with the ideas and actually make a living. Uh, yeah, anything else? Can you make symbols out of any other metals? Yeah, you can, yeah. So starting off with the bronze, this is called B20. Like I said earlier, it's a real specific alloy. It's 80% uh, copper and 20% tin, hence B20. You can get B8 as well, 8% tin. Um, which is more entry-level kind of symbols. It's cheaper and the sound isn't so nice. So you can do different alloys of bronze. I've made some out of stainless steel. It works very differently. Um, you, you can hammer it the same. You can't really lathe it using my kind of setup because the turning speeds and the way heat's generated and stuff, it, it's just not very kind to it. But then you can attack it with sandpaper or a, an angle grinder or whatever, just, you know, go nuts. But yeah, I mean, essentially, if it makes a noise, it's an instrument, I'd say. You know, people make them out of aluminium. Uh, yeah, though, definitely. Yeah. Anyone else? Gongs. Gongs, yeah. I, I made a few a couple of years ago, but I uh, kind of decided to stick with the cymbals. The, this other cymbal maker does do very, very nice gongs. Are you aware? He's called Matt Nolan. Have you? No, he... So, yeah, I mean, there's probably fewer people hand-making gongs. So Matt Nolan does these like big 32-inch gongs that go all, all around the world, and he hammers in these really lovely patterns. Like he did one of an octopus recently, and it was just beautiful the way it catches the light. Um, but yeah, the sound is something else. It's kind of the same principle in a way. It you know, makes a big old noise. Um, and yeah, I'd like to do more, but for now it's all about this. I'm a drummer, obviously, myself, and cymbals have always been my instrument, so that's where it stays for me. Anybody else? Is there a point where you're hitting it, when you're tuning it, that you hit it too far and it sort of isn't usable anymore? As in hammering? Yeah. Like hammering it too far? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially in the learning process. So one thing, when you're learning to hammer, it's really counterintuitive, the whole process. Like, 
learning to hammer, I, th I was thinking it was all about zones, and it can be, like, I don't know if that makes any sense, but what you find often when you start out making them is you'll have this symbol that kind of sounds nice, but one particular area maybe, perhaps up here near the, the bell, that central bit, might sound horrible and kind of resonant, and so you've got to work out how to deal with that, how to take that out. It, you know, it can sound all right, but it's nice to know how to. And I went insane chasing this thing for, for like a year, probably, trying to work out how to do it. And I was hammering it more and more and hammering somewhere else more and more. And eventually I realized it wasn't about that area. It was about everywhere else, everywhere except that area. Um, and so that's the point at which you go too far. You know, you, you hit it thinking this will fix it and then it's gone forever. It just, the thing is, it probably still sounds okay, but, but you've lost perspective by that point as well. That's something that's really easy to do, is lose perspective. Um, so yeah, you can definitely go too far. And also the fact that you're hitting metal with a hammer, you can crack the stuff as well. You know, if you, you get a bad contact and you're gone, really. You know, you've done five hours of hammering and then you accidentally hit the edge and it, the great big split appears and that's it, into the trash pile. Uh, yeah, again, run off screaming, basically. <laughs> Anything else? Any you, don't, other? you don't have logos on the symbol. Is that a choice or? It's part of a choice. Yeah, I do actually have a logo now. Okay. A, a new logo which I was working on. Um, I've always been allergic to to kind of branding and logos, probably to a fault, you know. Um, so my symbols don't have any branding at all at the moment. And a few people have said the branding is almost the fact that it doesn't have branding. That's what mm -hmm. kind of makes it obvious that it's mine if that makes any sense yeah. um but i do see the business sense in having a logo so i've designed one i've i've got merch i was going to wear the t-shirt but it's a bit cold um so <laughs> i bought someone else's uh so yeah that will be going on but that's another debate that rages between drummers is whether you have big old logos printed etched on top say, underneath. Well, are you thinking etched or possibly yeah i've got a few irons in fires at the moment with the for a few business developments, so I'm gonna. What, what's your opinion on that? If you have, I'd, one? I'd go etched. Etched. Just a small little. Small of, little etched logo. Yeah. All right. Etched it is. But that's me. All right, <laughs> done. Unlike you, I don't like the huge. It has to have a huge name or anything on it. Yeah, right. Like, you know. Yeah, and one. I mean, this is going to be very niche, considering there's one drummer in the room or two. <laughs> but like, you've seen the one of the big symbol manufacturers called Sabian. You know, I've heard about you've see, you haven't seen the, the new logo. They changed the new logo to be all okay. kind of edgy and cool, right. and it just looks horrific. It's horrendous. But you know, perhaps that's a marketing decision. You know, you go onto any drum forum, any symbol forum, these things do exist. They'll be talking about every single top post is Sabian's new logo. So everyone is talking about Sabian at the moment. So whether they'll do like a, was it Pepsi or Coke or whatever, and go back to Sabian Classic or yeah. or whatever. Fair play to them, it's business, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? Anything interesting in the world of symbols or drums? Or talking to people? <laughs> um, I'm not sure I've got too much else to say, really. That's kind of my process. The, the best thing you can do if, if you are interested is just come over to the workshop. Like I say, I'm just across the way. Have a look and I can show you the tools. Everything, like I say, is built from scratch. Like the anvil, the hammers the lathe, so I had to uh, design the bench, I had to wire in the lathe myself, and it kind of helps having, being a bit handy as well, so you know, I can work with metal, I can work with wood, 
And you're, funnily enough, you'll find there's a lot of wood in symbol making. You need to make backboards. When you're putting the symbol on the lathe, you need like a wooden backboard to support it, all different sizes, depths, and all this stuff. Um, and that can be quite dangerous, especially, again, going back to stainless steel. I like to deal with heat, with fire quite a lot in stainless steel, because you get, it changes the structure of the molecules a bit and gives you this crazy sound. And it, you know, it looks cool. I'll never do something for looks alone, but it does look good. Um, but then when you're doing that and suddenly your backboard catches on fire, that can be a, a little bit of a, a pain. Um, but don't tell the guys that own Estate of the Arts about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so do, do come over and like say hello and, and ting some cymbals and have a go at hammering. <laughs> have a go. Have a go? What, the process? Yeah, totally. I may well be taking on an, an apprentice at some point relatively soon, but that's, uh, that's all to be seen at the moment. Yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, anyone wants to come and have a go, they can. Just out of interest, obviously, again, hardly any drummers in the room. Let's say, for example, there was to be a little course on how to make something like this. Would any, and you don't have to say yes, I won't mind. Would anyone be remotely interested? Like hands, yeah? One, two, three, four. Oh, I'm, I should say as well, I'm recording this for a podcast. I run a podcast called The Symbol Podcast. I said podcast so many times now. Um, so this is actually going to be like a little bonus episode, so you're all on tape forever. Uh, yeah, so great. Um, yeah, listening to the Symbol podcast, the first one I interviewed a drummer called Rich Cass uh, from Edinburgh is really interesting. And then I interviewed another Symbol maker from New Jersey. Again, probably a bad business choice. Um, but he was really interesting to talk to. And I've got loads of cool people lined up for that as well. And you can hear this again if you find you really miss it later on. So I guess I'll leave it there, unless there's anything else. I don't know how long I've done, but I've run out of steam. Yeah, Rosie says it's good. So should we just hit this one one more time? Do you want to hit it? Oh, God. Go on, yeah. Do you hit, you hit it on the bell? Just wherever you want. <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, th thanks for listening. Thanks very much. Cheers.